What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, sinks and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominique Smith. As always, I want to thank everybody for their continued support for this channel. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to these episodes just as much as I am uh, recording them, and the best is yet to come. Today is part two of our, of our Black History Month series, and Mr. Anderson Emerald, my friend, brother from New York, is my guest today. If, he's, if that name sounds familiar, he has been a guest on my track talk series and he has dropped some great knowledge and i am so excited for you guys to get a chance to hear some of the awesome things that he had to say his page on instagram is called track and field black history where he reveals historical figures in the sport of track and field and the difference that they've made as well as some of the obstacles that they have overcome we talked a little bit about that we talked about uh, the importance of what he does as well as some context behind it some of the cool people that he's got a chance to talk to some of the things that he's learned and why it is a big deal when it comes to what we see on the track not just for african americans and other black runners but for everybody all shapes sizes colors does not matter it all plays in together we also talked about his nigerian roots and um he kind of refreshed me on some of the foods that um he loves that i had no idea it was an educational uh, lesson you know its origins were from nigeria um we talked about that we talked about some 90s television as well as some 90s hip-hop um we talked a little we talked about everything um it was a great conversation one that i really enjoyed and i hope you all enjoyed as well he was actually on my track talk episode that came out on wednesday night which is last night so i definitely hope that you guys enjoy what you hear please be sure to follow his youtube page the final leg i put that in the show notes and his instagram for track and field black history i put that in the show notes as well where this show was concerned follow us on youtube lactic acid with dominic smith hit that subscribe button that notification bell please do that that way you are alerted every time a new episode drops follow us on instagram lactic acid with dominic smith follow us on twitter lactic acid underscore pod and if you like the podcast if you like what you're hearing please go ahead and leave a nice review it means a lot to me it helps the channel grow and it helps put our name out there as we try to grow this network also shout out to our partners at track barn please be sure to visit their website www.trackbarn.com they have so many wonderful things in that store and they are a great benefit for track and field if you go there and you find what you're looking for especially if you're a coach it's track season high school track season is kicking into full gear and you find yourself needing some hurdles or um uh things for the long jump the shot put the discus please 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 go visit track barn as well as athletes you know they have everything you need go to whenever you get ready to pay rather type in lactic acid 10 and you will get 10 percent off your order hope you guys enjoy the episode and we will catch you next time What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and angst, or as the late, great Bernie Mac said, what's up, you squares? Welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominique Smith. Today, I have a certified baller shot caller dude is doing humongous things when it comes to elevating the sport of track and field, lifting up voices, and definitely reminding us of the history, how far we've come and how far we've got to go and everything else in between. I call him the historian. Uh, he's actually part one of the historian. I call Dr. Hannah Borenstein the official track and field historian, but he's right up there with it. And guess what? You need to follow his page, Track and Field Black History, in the final leg he is none other than the man himself cooler than the other side of the pillow mr anderson emerald anderson brother what's going on my friend appreciate you coming on the show absolutely absolutely so like we all appreciate it to even be here and to be able to to chat man that that intro is is too crazy so i love it i love it <laughs> oh that you fit that mold shout out to the late great Stuart scott but he used to have cooler than the other side of the pillow and dog that is you that is you incorporated um but i gotta ask you this because i ask everybody's on the show uh when they come on the show so we're gonna do let's just say you know abc 
actually bump ABC. Let's say CBS met with Food Network and they met with Frito-Lay. They said, yo, there's a page. There's two pages. It's called the Final Leg Track and Field Bike History. The dude that runs the show is somebody that we need to elevate because he is killing the game in such a way that it deserves to be celebrated. So they want to make a springtime promotion centered around your greatness and all the great things that you've done. So CBS has the Grammys, right? So they said, here's what we're going to do. We are going to give him a ticket to the premier music event in the world, being the Grammys. He can accompany any artist, past or present. Well, not past, because obviously you can't take a dead person to the Grammys. But any artist from any time period. So let's just say like Gladys Knight to Usher to you know whoever. He can be, he can accompany them, and we're going to roll out the red carpet for the both of them. So that's one thing they're going to do for you. Food Network said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to make them do chop. We're not going to make them do bacon championships. We're not going to make them go and beat Bobby Flay. We're going to do something better. We are going to create either. He's going to create a meal that is either a burger, pizza, or any custom dish that he cannot live without. And we're going to put it on every menu in the world that we're affiliated with. That's the second thing they're going to do for you. Frito-Lay or any other chip brand, they said, we got to get in the mix too. We can't be left out. They want to create a custom potato chip of two flavors combined into one, or unless you have like a just a go-to flavor that you cannot live without, they're going to hook you up with that. So what we need, the Grammys, who are you going to accompany? Food Network, burger, pizza, or custom dish. And then what is this potato chip that we're working on? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> so this is a lot. So let's see. Um, okay. So Grammys, I definitely could get that. That should be pretty easy. Somewhat. Well, going to the Grammys, I'm definitely going with Nas. Like, I got to go through with Nas. Nas is my favorite rapper ever. He's, okay. in my opinion, the greatest the greatest rapper ever. Um, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, Let's you see. have a case. There's a case for him, but yeah, very strong case. Very strong case. No, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely going with Nas. And he just uh 2020 was it 2021 or 2022? <laughs> I forget, but he just won his first Grammy um, you know, for album of the year with King's Disease. He just went on a crazy run with King KD1, KD2, KD3, Magic. Like Nas is again, in my opinion, the GOAT, but that's what I'm going <laughs> to the Grammys with. Um the second one, this was a Food Network, right? Food Network mm -hmm. is okay, and I gotta come up. What I gotta get? Like, Either a burger, pizza, custom burger, custom pizza, or if there's just a go-to dish that you cannot live without. So one or three. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I I would go. A burger is dope, or pizza is dope, but I would definitely. So, um, my Nigerian roots. I'm going with jollof rice. We have to have jollof rice on the plate. I would add like a whole bunch of other things, but like Nigerian jollof rice is what I'm bringing to the masses. If you haven't already had it, if you haven't had jollof rice, I guess uh, shout out to, to everyone else, whether it's Ghana, Senegal, <laughs> wherever, but like uh, just any type of jollof rice. Uh, but my Nigerian jollof rice, I got to definitely got to put that out. I got to ask about that in a minute, but tell me what we're doing about this potato chip to wrap it up. Oh, potato chip. Hmm. I don't know. This would be tough. I think for potato chip, I would actually not do chips. I would prefer white cheddar popcorn. That would be my... Okay. Yeah. If I could, like, skirt the rules. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. This one, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah, I, I would do, like, a some white, uh, white cheddar popcorn. That's, like, my go-to. That's OG. Oh, man. I used to eat that. Oh, I forgot the brand. Oh, I forgot the brand. There's um, there's like smart food. Smart food is smart the, um, food. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Used to eat that back in the day. Uh, white cheddar popcorn, cheese puffs, uh, uh, hot Cheetos. You know mm -hmm. all the above. I I was just in the store the other day and they have all of the OG snacks. So they had the cosmic brownies. Um, I was an oatmeal cream pie brother myself with the cosmic brownies. They had honey buns and um. 
Miss De- what is it? The uh, the yeah, ones Miss Debbie or like the, the something like the, that, right? Yeah, the zebra cakes. Zebra. Oh my gosh, man, you're bringing me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just trips to the dollar store. Yeah. Um, oh man, tell me about this rice. I've never heard of it. T- tell me about it. Oh, Jollof rice is the greatest ever. Again, okay. I'm Nigerian. If you are, if you're West African, you're very much like in tune with like the Jollof wars between Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, even like Guinea, I recall, like wherever. But um, yeah, Jollof rice, it's a tomato-based rice. It's, you make a, I mean, I, I could cook a whole thing now, but like you can, you make like tomato um, stew, for example, and you'll put like a whole bunch of spices and pepper and stuff like that. Um, and then you cook the rice in the actual stew and yeah, it's like it's just like super flavorful. Oh, you probably oh, you dude. definitely eat that yeah. all the time. Eat that all the dude, time. Jollof rice is like I had no world. idea. That's where <laughs> yeah, that yeah, came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. We go good. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, like I mean, you definitely probably again, there's like variations to a degree, but yeah, it's a traditional West African dish, you know, all across. It's, it's amazing. I just had to look it up because it's just I don't know. Because everybody has their own kind of spin. What we do is we use, just had it um, two months ago, but we go get the stewed tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And it has, you know, the seasonings and stuff and some jasmine rice. And then you boil everything. And then you, you know, you put, I put seasoning, season all, um, because it has the garlic powder and all the seasonings and stuff. And I had no idea. Yep, I yep, had yep. no idea. See, it's <laughs> it's, see, I told you we got the historian on here because I'm telling you, man, I had no idea that's what it was. That's what it originated from. Yep, man, yep. we used to eat that all the time growing up. Yeah, like, that is it's okay. <laughs> like, if you're listening, America, get yourself some jollof rice with a piece of uh, fried chicken or pork chop, or whatever the case might be. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is. It is like the the red beans and rice of the tomato family. Wow. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm going to have to do that. Anderson, like I said, he is the founder of Track and Field Black History. He has an Instagram page as well as a um, podcast in addition to the final leg where um, he breaks down races, does shorts, exclusives, uh, everything. And they talk about the deeper things of track and field. And it's definitely something that I encourage everybody to listen to. We'll definitely be able, we'll definitely be sure uh, to put this in the show notes. Uh, this is the second uh, edition of our Black History Month special. The first one we had T. Williams uh, on the show. and We got a chance to talk about a few things, but track and field Black History. I wrote a story on it for FanHub TF, and it was one of the most interesting things when we first got a chance to connect and talk. And I learned more about, you know, what it is that just the origins and the foundations and without going to make you repeat everything, it started um, in COVID. Um, And then everything was going on uh, with the protests around the country um, pertaining to George Floyd. And then you started to bring a track and field spin to it. One of the things I actually wrote a story and I'm curious about when you um, get a chance to bring a new athlete to light and some of the things that they went through. I actually wrote a story ahead of the Super Bowl about former track and field athletes who now excel or who excelled on the football field as well as the track. So naturally the first person, you know, we bring up is, is bullet Bob Hayes um who oddly enough there's some like a close family friend of mine is that's his cousin and stuff and living here in florida that's just he's just such an iconic name for what he did went to florida a&m university uh famu rattlers you know got blood at that school love that school um but i remember just writing it and just being amazed like just the times that we just the time period and so we're talking about everything now and all these athletes about to break all these or potentially, you know, breaking all these records. But I don't know. It felt like refreshing to know background of how this came to be. 
you know, we went from 100 yards to 100 meters. And now 100 meters and now different, you know, places from the Caribbean and possibly the United States are breaking record. What is the feeling that you get when you find a person, find a unique story, and you're able to deliver it and deliver information that enhances the story, but obviously brings to light just the wonderful things that we see on the track, you know, or track and field on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, no, I think that that hits it with like, it's, you know, you, you find a story, you find an athlete with a story and um, specifically in terms of like track and field black history, being able to bring to light what happened in the past and connect it with, you know, the present and kind of inform, you know, athletes now, fans now, whoever it is now about, you know, what happened in the past, what, what people had to go through um, to be able to get to where they were at. And then to be able to, you know, set the foundation for what people are doing now. Um, even thinking of the the football connection, like, you know, Bob Hayes is, of course, like he's the, um, you know, he's the one that everyone definitely goes to. And he went through so many different things back when he was competing. Um, I even think of Ronaldo Nehemiah, who competed in like the late 70s into the early 80s. He also played football, was at the University of Maryland you know, competed in uh, track and field. He he was the first person to break 13 seconds in the hurdles, in the 110-meter hurdles outdoors. But um, he actually was one of the reasons why, um, you know, athletes are able to do, you know, multiple sports. You know, before when he was competing in the late 70s and in the early 80s, the sport was still amateur. And he wanted to have the opportunity to compete in track and in football. He lost the opportunity to attend the Olympics for, you know, because he wanted to go, in, uh, go into football. But there's like a thing called like the Nehemiah rule, which allows athletes to now compete in, you know, multiple sports and not lose their, um, you know, professionalism or amateurism, you know, in either. And so what's was great. I, I got to speak with him at World Championships, but kind of connecting what Devin Allen is doing now where Devin Allen, you know, he's able to go to play football for the Eagles. Um, and then, but he's also able to come back to track right and compete in multiple events so again kind of connecting finding a story that connects with you know what happened in the past and how it applies to the future now those are kind of you know some of the things i really love and that puts some perspective you know gives some people some perspective of course educates everyone on different things so yeah something like that's like super super cool to me and he's a big time agent um yeah. in the sport of track and field uh neo bio do you ever and it's not I don't want to say like this is a cultural thing, but I think sometimes when Sid broke that record, ran 50.68 at Worlds, um, you know, breaking the 400 meter hurdle record, the word that people or the person that people brought up was Bob Beeman. That what she was doing was Bob Beeman esque, right? Mm-hmm. I was not, I don't remember Bob Beeman. I don't remember seeing Bob Beeman. We are not of that generation, but it still could have, you know, I think it was Bolden. I think it was Bolden or Sonny Richards Ross. It still could be, you know, similar. You know, there could be some similarities, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how do you, how would this younger generation know about the Bob Beamons and know about the Mike Powells and even Carl Lewis to an extent? When you bring history to the forefront for people to see, do you realize, how do I put this? Not just that you're bridging a gap, but you keep history alive. Like you, all those precious moments that, you know, people might've seen in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, we're not seeing those. We can't remember that, but you keep those memories you keep that information you keep those moments alive with what you do um do you ever realize that and what has been the response from the you know former athletes and the people whose story that you're telling what's been their response and how they you know received it what you're doing yeah no absolutely and i think for me it's like i'm part of like um not only giving the opportunity to shed light on these stories and, you know, these amazing, you know, performances that happened in the past, but I'm also learning along the way as well, where, yeah, I wasn't, I obviously wasn't born. I was born decades and decades after Bob Beeman, you know, had his amazing jump. Um, I had to go back and learn about it. I had to go back and, you know, find out who was Bob Beeman in the first place. Um, but being able to, 
bring some of those stories to light about these amazing performances that happened in the past goes back to you know what we were saying before where it's like it connects to what happens in the future where yeah bob beeman you know 1968 he broke this amazing world record in the long jump Sydney mclaughlin now is running you know 50.68 in the hurdles and she's breaking this amazing world record what are the similarities you know between the two but like you know building a connection you know i don't expect everyone you know nowadays to know what happened in the past but again looking at the tra- at that trajectory and making a connection where it's like okay bob beeman did this in 68 and then like michael johnson did this in 1996 right then usain bolt in 2008 right he did a whole thing and then you know now we're you know we're at um you know Sidney mclaughlin now you know in 2022 looking at a timeline of like oh wow okay these amazing performances continue to progress and we're seeing a timeline of them throughout history making the connections between them two, um, between them, seeing what similarities are happening with them, not only with the performances, but maybe around like the event, around the meet, around the time period, what's going on during the time period. So just, you know, provide some context for everyone. I think that's, you know, it's an amazing thing. Again, I love to be able to share stories. I love to be able to, you know, educate people. And then I love to learn myself. It's so dope to be able to kind of build that connection again, build that timeline in a sense. I'm going to ask this question, then we'll jump to some off-track stuff. We talk about, and you and I are going to do an episode of Track Talk after this, so everybody be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel on Lactic Acid to get a more in-depth take on this. We look at style, right? And you talk about style, people showing up to meets, you know, in certain attire. Uh, My favorite, you know, is Marvin Bracey and his Air Force Ones. And I, I say that because I've seen, like I said, Marvin went to high school four miles from me. We graduated from the same year. So I got a chance to see him compete and whoop everybody often. And that fearless attitude um, and that determination and that swagger he's always had. And then it just carries over. Um, when you when you see things like that, whether it's Noah Lyles and, and just, you know, like I said, just general style. Do you think that the Gale Devers and the Flojos, just those amazing athletes who that's how it started and stuff like that. Does that kind of get lost in the sauce, if you will, in your opinion? Maybe. maybe. I don't know if it, hmm, I don't want to say it gets lost in the sauce. Cause I, I think like, I think there's like levels where it's like, okay, you know, you see Noah Lyles, you know, coming out fresh, you see, you know, Shakari Richardson, like with the, you know, amazing nails and everything, right? Like they're getting super stylish. Um, I think, a, I think it, it depends. There's a lot of athletes who are very well versed in, you know, some of these past, like, I remember, you know, Shakari, she spoke about, you know, Flojo is one of her idols, like Wilma Rudolph, right? And, you know, they had a lot yeah. of style. Um, even Noah Lyles, he's very much a student of the sport. But, you know, there's also a lot of athletes who aren't necessarily like, you know, they don't know the past. But I think it, not even just in track, I think it um, it carries itself in any in any capacity where there's probably things that I've done now. Like, so for example, like I listen to, like I was saying, Nas is like one of my favorite, he's my favorite artist. Want to go to Grammys with him. I was listening to Nas for my entire life. And for years before I even knew who like Rakim was and Rakim came before Nas, right? I had to learn about it. <laughs> Doesn't like diminish. I don't think it diminishes the fact that like, you know, I love this artist or I love this thing or I'm emulating these things. It's just, I had to go back and learn a little bit and I could see, oh, wow. Okay. I'm doing a lot of things that, you know, connect somebody else was already doing before me. Now I can have the opportunity to kind of pay homage. Now I can have the opportunity to kind of like, you know, appreciate what they did in the past. Um, cause yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things for me is like, you know, I, I do history and the more I learn, um, just the more in, I continue to learn, I continue to discover new things. Like you can continue to go as far back in the past and someone, someone farther back always started something, whether it's 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, someone started something that continued to blossom and continue to push something forward. So, you know, a Flojo Gail Devers or, you know, Carl Lewis or whoever, they definitely pushed something forward, but they weren't the first in certain aspects. There's probably, I, uh, at Milrose just happened this weekend and Bobby was there getting honored with something. 
This guy was in like a leather jacket. He had like a leather snakeskin jacket. He had like these these dope <laughs> shoes that were like colorful. Like his style was crazy. And he's like decades before, you know, a Flojo or Carl Lewis or whatever, right? So it's all, I think, progression where you unintentionally like take things from the past, but when you do learn about it, you have the opportunity to kind of honor those people and you know appreciate it. Oh my gosh, Bob Beaver yeah. decked out in like a '60s and '70s. <laughs> who who was the artist I'm thinking of? I wouldn't say Shaft, but oh Shaft, Shaft, right? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> just 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 OG. I like that. Yeah, yeah it was OG. it was fire. It's so fire. I was like, uh, yo, Bob, you are you're killing it right now. <laughs> like Bob, man, you know I'm a '70s, you know '60s, '70s junkie <laughs> myself uh, when it comes to that music. So like all these songs, what's that song? Diamond in the back, sunroof top, dig in the scene with a gangster lean. Woo, woo, man. Okay, I see you, brother Beeman. I see you, Mister right. Beeman. What are three things that people do not know about the legend that is Anderson Emerald? Oh my gosh, wow, that don't know about me. I don't know. That's a hard things people don't know about me um i don't know i guess one is i'm i'm born and raised in new york city people might know that already but you know sometimes sometimes it's like you know i'll go to these different meets or i'll go to different places and you know people will, will wonder um you know where i'm from but yeah i'm born and raised in new york city that's like uh, specifically in queens which is again i'm always going to connect that to nas um but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know born and raised in new york city that's um that's something about me um let's see what else what else i don't know like i said i'm i'm nigerian my background is in nigeria i'm I'm very passionate you know i love i love nigeria i love my country um my parents were both born in nigeria um i do a lot of stuff with you know in track and field with nigerian media which is pretty cool but yeah that's a that's something that's really really good um man i don't know a third thing i don't know um I don't know. Okay, so maybe one more thing I could think of is I, outside of track, so I don't watch like any other sports. I don't follow like basketball. I don't follow football or anything like that. Okay. One thing I do follow heavily um, is battle rap. I don't know if like, I don't battle know. Rap. Battle so, rap. So this okay. is like, okay, yes, yeah, it's, it's like rappers battle, going up against each other, just rapping, using, you know, um using schemes wordplay you know freestyles like all kinds of stuff like that that is like one of my favorite things to watch what's that show with nick cannon oh that's wilding out yeah so so all yeah, Wild Wild yeah 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 you there's like there's like charlie clips is on wilding out there's hitman holla there's conceited right they started their careers in battle rap and then they went into wilding out so battle rap is like my i love it <laughs> So what do you find? Because that's that's OG. But here's the thing: they used to make movies about maybe if not is battle rap and battle dance. Um, mm. Because you look at Snuff the Yards, you look at um, just even you know my one of my favorite movies of all time is is Drumline. Drumline um, yeah. <laughs> and so th- there's always that, but you can't find too many battle raps. I mean, uh, what was that show? Oh man, I used to watch it all the time. Which one did? It- you know it 106 and park um, oh yeah yeah on bet yep uh, they had like freestyle fridays on that freestyle fridays man so where do you find especially now like where, where do you find it i mean it's all on youtube i mean i don't know i could go into like history and stuff but like there's this there's this thing called smack dvds so smack dvds you know started here in new york city where this guy was just like going to random neighborhoods in the city and just like recording battles happening people on the street corners just like battling um and then it turned into you know over time it turned into a bigger thing a lot of it is on youtube now you know just uh various youtube pages like url smack url um there's like rbe there's kotd there's a lot of different like battle leagues and it's not like huge but this is like when i'm not following track and field and when i'm not following politics i really love politics i don't know if that's a good or bad thing but i I follow (laughs) politics heavily um but i'm watching battle rap battle rap is my thing Hey, I ain't mad at it. Listen, I ain't mad at it. That's that's OG. So you're you're in the nineties just like I am, man. Yeah. Who is your go-to nineties hip hop dude? Hip outside of Nas. Well, so we got Nas, but 
who else does it for you? Oh man. So man. Okay. I have a feeling you're gonna say something and I'm gonna agree with it and I'm gonna be pissed off that you said it before I did. So oh, yeah, so I don't I don't know. I don't know. But this is hard. Okay, so only like nineties, like nineties hip hop. Yeah, that's just nineties, early two thousands. The stuff we grew up listening to on the radio, basically. Man. Well, I don't know. Okay, so this is tough. Like Nods is of course the top, but then it's gonna be interesting actually. I really love Common. So Common is actually yeah. one of my favorite. Yeah, Common is one of my favorite rappers. He he actually in that like late nineties, early two thousands, like there was a whole like uh, I don't know if you know the Soulquarians era. There was mm-hmm. like Erica Badu was in there. There was like Most Def, Talib Kweli, The Roots. Um, Dang it, man! That's that was mine. That's mine right there. The Roots. Were you gonna say <laughs> the Roots? Okay, actually, what's crazy? That's why I asked you if it's nineties because after Nas, my second favorite. I guess rapper is Black Thought, but like group is the Roots. The Roots are amazing. That's like, that's my that's mine, man. I love, yeah. but go ahead. I'll I'll get to no. my family <laughs> for the Roots in a minute. But no, no, no. That, I mean, that's it. I'll actually I gotta agree with you. The Roots are like the Roots are amazing. I am obsessed with the Roots. I can play the Roots nonstop all the time. I honestly think Black Thought is probably is probably the most technically skilled lyricist and rapper in history in terms of like technical ability and skill and like all that and the idea that like you have a rapper who's able to like rap over live instrumentation and like they they're a whole band they're a hip-hop band it's amazing to me <laughs> it's not there's no pre-recorded stuff it's you got Questlove on the drums send the stage for everybody and then everybody kind of flows into place my opinion, I know you love Nas. Black Thought is the best rapper of all time because he is the rapper that, to me, his lyrics makes you, th- it, it's deep. One of the deepest artists, and I was thinking about this, back around Christmas time. So one of the artists that um, usually, you know, I have bumping around Christmas time, the many artists, is Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Stevie Wonder is Stevie has these little songs and lyrics that cucks about the smallest things. But man, it penetrates deep into your soul. Man. He's had this song, One Little Christmas Tree. And dog, that song just penetrates your soul. It's like a Christmas tree is making you like emotional and stuff like that because it's talking about the Christmas tree and then just people and then what it stands for and what it represents and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh. Black Thought has that kind of, you know, deepness. You know, I'll walk mm-hmm. around my house and I'm listening to Proceed and Continue. To- yes, yes. <laughs> like, like, dude, Black Thought. That's that's just me. Just that different era. It feels like it challenged you intellectually. But what I love, you know, as a journalist, um, I love storytelling. Their songs, the root songs, common, all of those, it tells a story. That's why I love it. I was listening, um, Wu Tang Clan, um, Cash Rules, everything around me, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and how just the methods and just how the story it goes it it talks about how you were brought up the things you saw the struggles you went to but at the end of the song is telling you you know um you know since drinking beer he ain't trying to hear what i'm kicking in his ear but it's trying to save you from that so it's just like this this storytelling that just doesn't feel like it exists um anymore yeah man dude that's why black i mean black thought is Black Thought is crazy with the storytelling and it's so, again, the intricacies of his rhyming are crazy. I I think there was, um, there was one song he did. I forget the song, but he did like, he acted as if uh, he was Cool G Rap and also Big Daddy Kane. Like he rapped in their uh, kind of like in their voices and in their um, kind of persona, persona, whatever. And like told stories about like their lives and stuff like that. That was like super, super cool. And like you said, all the Roots albums are like, they're super, super deep. They dive into these really, really impactful stories that really make you think. Um, And even one of the reasons I love Nas as well is because he also, you know, with that storytelling, it's super impactful where 
he's done multiple songs where he's done like personification, where he's told a story from something. So, you know, in the example, like uh, he's done, like I gave you power where he was like, as if he was acting like a gun he's done. Um, he did a song called uh, fried chicken with Buster Rhymes, where he was acting as if he was talking as if he was, you know, the fried chicken from the perspective of that. He, you know, he did a song called project. Um, what's it called? I think it's project roach, but acting as if he's a roach living in the project. So yeah. like telling stories from a, the perspective of something like that's, that's like complex. So yeah, all, all of them, the storytelling is crazy. And like you said, both of us, right. In journalism, being able to tell those stories in impactful ways in different ways that will really allow the reader, the viewer, whoever, maybe the listener to connect with it or even maybe they're not even like they can't connect with it, but they can just like understand it from some perspective. I think it's so dope. So, yeah. I don't see that in today's, you know, you know, hip hop rap sphere, but from your, oh man, and it was something that everybody could listen to um, essentially, but how important is the storytelling aspect from a cultural standpoint, in your opinion? It's super important. It is super, super important where like you can't have you, someone, anyone to a degree, right? Anyone can tell a story, but the cultural aspect, if you can't connect with, um, you know, your readers or your listeners or your viewers um, on a cultural level, then that completely changes the game, right? If you're able to dive into nuances that, you know, your audience is going to be able to connect with that only you know about, or only, you know, this group of people can know about, I think that's like super, super important. Now that doesn't like diminish the fact that like other people who may not be culturally connected, you know, they shouldn't be telling stories as well. But I think the cultural aspects that, you know, a journalist um, you know, or a rapper, right? Even a, an actor or whoever it may be, right? If they're able to really connect um, with their fans, with their viewers and listeners on that cultural level, I think that really changes how a story is received and really changes what the viewer, what they, you know, what they actually receive. So, yeah, I think that's super, super important. How can, um, how can a track and field athlete do that in this day and age? How can you tell a story just by sprinting 100 meters? You know, 200 meters, you know, something like that. I mean, I think it, it starts like in multiple waves where, and I think like a lot of the current athletes do this pretty well, where, you know you're going to run a 100-meter dash or 200-meter dash or whatever, but what's happening beforehand, right? What's the, you know, do we know about you beforehand? Are you telling your story beforehand? Are you hyping up the race? Are you talking about, like, the implications of the race? Um, even going back to Noah Lyles where, you know, he's running these these indoor races, but he's, you know, he's having these matchups with, like, Trayvon Bumel and Christian Coleman, but, you know, he's hyping it up beforehand. He's telling, you know, a little bit about his story of competing in the 60-meter dash, what implications does it have for later on in the season? Um, you know, things like that. Um, I think that's like super important. And then the aftermath, right? What are you talking about after the race? Not only what happened in the race, but how does this like, um, how does it affect, you know, you as a person? Did this race change anything about what you're doing for the rest of the year? Um, those kinds of things are super important where the 10 second race or nine second race in the 100 meter dash, right? That's just not a one-off. All this, all this story is like built up around it. So we have a lot more to be able to tell and a lot more to connect with. So now fans are excited for the next race, right? You want to know a lot more. We're, we're excited for next year. We want to know a lot more, you know? So that's, I think, super, super important for athletes to do. I think an underrated storyteller in this sport is Fred Curley. Because, and I don't, I think people take, I think people take it as like, you know, he says the same thing and says the same thing, but the dude, if you look at his background and you look at the things he's overcome and he always, you know, says it, he said it in an interview maybe a month or two ago with Anton. He said, this is easy. Like this, this is easy compared to, you know, how he grew up and just the situations that he was in, you know, I think I read something where he was sleeping on a crate, you know, whatever the case might be. I don't know. And, there's like this balance between you have to tell your story, but at the same time, if you're kind of private, you don't want people all up in your business because people can take that story. They can twist it a, or they can judge you, you know, for it too. So I don't know. I think what you say is good. No, what you say is great. But from our perspective, us as people who cover the sport, 
How do you enhance the story without it becoming roadkill? Or not roadkill, but let me ask this. How do you enhance a person's story to tell their story, the things they've overcome, without it being overkill or just, you know, overdone? You know, it's pretty much dried out. Like you left something in some chicken in the oven for two hours and it's just dry completely out. How can we do a better job of that? Yeah, I think like just finding little nuances in every single thing, um, finding little nuances that, you know, someone may not have known, or again, taking something from a different perspective and being able to highlight it, right? Like I can tell, you know, I could talk about Fred Curley in one way. You could talk about Fred Curley in a completely different way, you know, from a perspective that, you know, I would have never under, um, you know, thought of. And I could tell, we could be talking about the exact same thing, but we could tell it in a different way, right? Just because we find nuances. Um, and then also, I think embracing a lot of the different athletes and their personalities, where mm -hmm. I think Fred Curley is a perfect example where Fred Curley and Noah Lyles have like different personalities, right? They're different people. Um, you know, Noah Lyles might be a lot more out there. Noah, um, Fred Curley, you know, he may be a little more reserved, but he's like, I think there's like a kind of mysterious um, aura around him sometimes, which is like really, really cool. And I think being able to highlight that and being able to, you know, you know, take take their personalities and like put it in a perfect light, I think in a good light, I think is like really, really important. That's what I really love about our sport where, you know, all these people are running the same event. They're all running the same race, you know, for the most part, whatever, if we're talking about like a hundred meter dashing as an example, but everyone has these different personalities. Fred Curley is not like Marvin Bracey, who's not like Noah Lyles, who's not like Christian Coleman but we can tell all these different stories in different ways that will put all these athletes in a positive light. And then by the time we get to the race, we're like, yo, this story is like, you know, Marvin Bracey's coming like this. And then Curly's coming like this. Laws is coming like this. Coleman's like this, like Trayvon is like this, like what's going to happen. They're all coming from these different backgrounds. Da, da, da. Like I love being, able, I love like highlighting, you know, if we can highlight, you know, all these different personalities, it's super, super important to, you know, entice the fans and keep us interested. And again, we're all different people. The athletes are all different. The journalists were all different. Being able to highlight the athletes in different in different ways is super important. And that, that keeps things interesting. I mean, the 100 meter dash is always going to be what it is. The, the mile is always going to be, you know, what it is. The distance isn't changing. The athletes change. The journalists, we change, right? The perspectives change. That's what I think is super, super important. How this is, and we're going to wrap this up with a bow pretty soon. How do you incorporate your nigerian heritage into the work that you do when it comes to covering the sport on a day-to-day -day basis I'm, I'm genuinely curious about that no yeah yeah it definitely depends i mean if i'm like writing something or you know create writing a story or creating a story about like a specific athlete who's like nigerian that's a whole different thing also right. like um you know that gets like very specific but then also it goes to like the cultural perspective as well where um, especially so from the history side, there's a lot of information. Of course, as you get closer and closer to you know current history, there's a lot of information, more and more information that's available. Um, but one thing I love is like during the, I guess it's like the, yeah, post-World War II. So like 50s, 60s, 70s, et cetera, et cetera, right? There was a you know whole wave of decolonization, you know, for a lot of African nations. So you see yeah. countries like Kenya, Nigeria, um, Ghana and you know all these nations you know, across um, across Africa be able to you know get independence and they start competing at the Olympic Games and internationally and things like that. Um, so from the perspective and stories that I know from my family and from you know people in Nigeria, understanding how that relates to like African athletes who you know competed during those times, African athletes who you know are competing now and like learning you know learning from you know people in the past and things like that. Um, that's like super, super cool. Um, and then also just the the international perspective where, you know, we're here in the United States and, you know, mostly for the most part, you know, we cover a lot of U.S. athletes, but the sport is very, very global. And so when I'm, you know, doing stuff for Nigeria and like learning about Nigerian athletes, that helps me to understand, okay, what are the implications of that on American athletes, right? You have a lot of athletes who are international, they train here in the United States, right? But they still have to go back home and compete for their national trials um, and things like that. I know there's the conversation now a lot is, there's a lot of conversation now about like, 
uh, the professionalism in sport in terms of like, you know, pros should be at a level, NCAA should be at a level, high school should be at a level. But then when you're talking about like athletes from Nigeria, like Feirash, uh, Feirashe from Nigeria, he came to the NCAA, but like before that, was he, was he technically a high school athlete or was he like, you know, like high school isn't the same in like Nigeria or even like in Europe or wherever maybe it's not the same as it is in the United States. So should like in an, a quote unquote open athlete who's not in the NCAA, but is from another country, should they be considered like professional or not? Or, you know, what's like the lineation? Um, you know, our sport is very, very, very global. Um, and I know sometimes it's easy in the United States for us to think of like, you know, football is doing this, basketball is doing this, uh, you know, whatever is doing this, but like those sports only compete in the United States, right? And the NBA is not in Nigeria. It's not in Europe, right? They have, you know, other leagues exist, but, you know, those are only in the United States, whereas track and field is very, very global. And just going back to, uh, just because we competed, um, you know, just this past weekend, but like Noah Lyles trains with Dream Richards. Dream Richards mm-hmm. competes for Trinidad and Tobago, right? That's not the United States. So what are the implications of like an international athlete competing and training here in the United States when they're not American? Um, you know, just a whole bunch of things like that, I think are kind of super, what I think about a lot where the U S is one perspective, but like, we're talking about world athletics, we're talking about track and field globally. So some of those perspectives I really do think about a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. What is the most New York thing that you've done or that you do on a daily basis that fits that New York city stereotype? Oh my gosh. The most New York thing. (laughs) Um, and the most New York thing, oh man, I don't know. I mean, I go to the, <clears throat> I go to the, I go to the deli a lot. I don't know if that's. I like, was just about to say that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I go to the deli a lot. That's like a New York thing. I don't know. That's that's crazy. It's hard to think though, because I'm like, I'm a New Yorker, so I don't know. It's just like that's, that's what I'm I saying. Like, can it be pizza? Can it be the subway? Can it be the deli? Like that's. Because as a, as a Floridian, listen, I'm telling you, let me go to New York for two days. <laughs> I, I'm i not coming back the same. I'm going to find me where I can get me a pastrami on rye and a Reuben. I'm going to look for some pizza. <laughs> I'll actually, I'll give you one probably very New York thing. So um, I haven't driven a car in over a decade. And I only have my driver's license because I need an ID, but I don't like, you can argue that I don't know how to drive a car. I just take the subway. There's for me, there's no need for it in, in New York city. I know many, many people who are like super, super old and they, they don't even have a driver's license. I don't even, yeah. So that's probably a very New York thing. I don't know. It's cheap as well. It's, it makes sense. It's cheaper. You get a taxi, you get the subway. And then when you go like domestically, you get an Uber or something like that. That's all it is. Like, that's what it is. I don't, why do I need a car? So, no, like for <laughs> me, there's no way in the world. Like, if you're, oh, we're going to cover me here, listen, I don't know them roads. <laughs> you know, I don't know the people driving on the roads. <laughs> let, let, you know, let me, you know, somebody else, let's, let's just run it back with them. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's wrap this thing up with a bow, man. Dragonfield. Black History is your channel, and you share the stories of so many that come before us that have impacted not just younger or current generations of African-American or Black athletes, but just athletes in general. From your perspective, how important is the work that you do? Well, uh, man, that's like pressure on me. I don't know. I mean, I think it's important. I don't want to say like the work I specifically do. I think it's like a definitely a collaboration you know amongst you know a bunch of people whether that's like athletes i speak to coaches i speak to or whoever it may be um but no i i think it's super important to be able to tell these stories because of like what we said right um the history you know it really does have an impact on the future and what's going on now right we can learn a lot from the past so that we could either do you know we can improve upon it or we can you know replicate what was done in the past or improve on the wrong things that were done in the past. Um, it's, I think it's super, super important for, for these, you know, these athlete stories to be uh, shared. And even more specifically, 
a lot of, you know, lesser known stories, a lot of lesser known athletes, you know, um, you know, Carl Lewis is a GOAT, you know, Jesse Owens is a GOAT, um, you know, Flojo, Wilma Rudolph, right? They are all GOATs, but then there's a plethora of other athletes as well who also have amazing experiences um, and amazing stories that also need to be told alongside with these other athletes as well. So, and it, it kind of builds the entire cohesive structure of like, okay, this is a history of our sport. This is what not only the person who won gold in the hundred meters was doing, but also the person who got 12th place in, you know, the, the 400 meters was doing, right? Like those stories I think are super, super important to tell again, to inform us so that we can push the sport forward into the future now. So, yeah. Last question. What has been a year? What's been, uh, see, this is going to be a tough question for you because you have, probably have a lot. But what's been your favorite interaction? Let's say you told a story, but you got a chance to interact with that person. What's been one of your one of your most memorable interactions? Oh, man, that is tough. I, I mean, man, I'll, I'll probably go with, um, um, man, oh, that's a, there's a lot. Okay, yeah, I'll pro- I'll probably go. I was gonna say somebody, but I didn't. I just like spoke to them this weekend, so I I'm not. Whenever I put you know that out, I'll do that. But um, I'm probably gonna go with John Smith. So Coach mm-hmm. John Smith, um, you know, he's legendary coach out in California. He used to coach at UCLA for many many years, but uh, he coached probably you know who's who of you know whoever you um you can name. But uh, he just hit the conversation with him. You know, he's had tons and tons of experience in track, but he really do- dove into his experience growing up in the 1960s into the 70s as well. And like all the things that were going on politically, all the things that were going on in society, he really dove into that and how it affected his life. <clears throat> and then, of course, eventually how it affected his, you know, his time in the, in the track. But that was really, really impactful again, because, you know, I wasn't, I'm, I wasn't even a thought. I don't even think my parents were born, you know, <laughs> back, back then, but um, being able to learn about the past like that and connect it to, you know, what's going on now was like super, super great. So yeah, John Smith was amazing. Anderson, you survived the interrogation process. Now we are moving on to the even harder stuff. This segment is called Down the Home Stretch. I'm going to ask you a few rapid-fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If I stop you to elaborate on the answer, it does not count against the time. And if you don't answer them as fast as you can, please believe me, I don't care. I, I could care less. So are you ready? Let's do it. If there was a food that you could live with for the rest of your life and the food that you can get rid of, what would they be? Oh, that I could live with for the rest of my life. Is health a concern? No. Health is oh, okay. a concern. So, so then give me <laughs> give me some um, Sour Patch Kids. I will live with Sour Patch Kids oh, for the rest boy. of my life. As long as health is not a concern <clears throat> and as long as I get nourished, I don't know. I'll live with Sour Patch Kids forever. Um that I can completely get rid of. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm just gonna hurt anybody. I can completely get rid of yogurt. I, I think yogurt is disgusting. I don't know. That's, I mean, that's fine. Like everybody's different strokes from different folks. Listen, Sour sour Patch Kids, that's different, man. I love Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids and Sweetest Fish. Yep. Those, yep. Were, those were like go-tos back in the day. This is gonna be a tough one. Are you familiar with Morris Day in the Time? I am not. More saying the time. I'm not. Okay, so, but that's okay. I just had to throw a curveball just in case. <laughs> Michael Jackson or Prince? No, oh, and and uh, let me not say easy, but MJ. I, I will. I'm not not easy, but Michael Johnson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Man, I, I yeah, Michael Jackson. Man, Prince is. Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Prince is crazy. Prince is fire, but I gotta go with Michael Jackson, man. The, the impact, man. The impact. Ah. ah, the disrespect for Prince on this show. <laughs> like between you and T and everybody, like, come on, man. Like, the, the I mean, is, I, I don't oh. disagree. I don't disagree. I mean, you said Michael Jackson, T said Marvin, uh, Michael Jackson, Marvin Brace said Michael Jackson. So I mean, dang. I'll, I'll give you this. I mean, I remember where I was when Michael ja- Michael Jackson passed away. I know Prince uh, passed away, I think it was 2016, but like, it's just not as memorable for me. That's all I'll say. 
That's I love Prince. I love Michael Jackson, but like it's MJ. Sorry. Dream. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Dream vacation spot. Ooh, dream vacation spot. Um, I don't know. I want to go to Ghana. I've never been to Ghana. I've been to Nigeria a trillion times because my family's from there. But like, I really want to go to Ghana one day. Yeah. If you had to sit down and have dinner with anybody, who are you having dinner with? Oh, with anybody. They they have to be alive. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Oh man. I don't know. That's hard. Anybody. That's a good question. I'm not. Wow. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably. That's not not. You can say Nas. <laughs> okay, I won't say Nas. I'll I'll go Black Thought then. I'll say Black Thought. I'd love to sit down with Black Thought to please not a little bit. I have to be honest with you. Jimmy Fallon deserves an award just for the fact that he was able to get the roots to be like, and you got him sing like, come on, man. I don't say he plays the system, but Jimmy, man, you you need you you have to get your flowers for getting the roots, the right. best band on television, um, best band on television to play. All right, few more questions. What if? Actually, better yet. If you could be a guest, a friend of, or just a character on any television show you grew up watching, like you could be, let's just say the, the it was real life and you could be in that and you could be friends with the characters or whatever, who, what show are you picking? Mm. Does it have to be like a real show or it could be like a cartoon? Either or. Oh, so then I'm going Courage the Cowardly Dog. So it's my favorite show. Oh, yep. That's... <laughs> that's interesting that's interesting yep it's my favorite show ever arguably and like courage i think in my opinion reflects me a lot where you know, like kind of it, it reflects a lot of me of my personality in a sense but i would love to just like you know hang out with him he's like super sometimes scared all the time but like there's so much going on and he finds a way to just like get things done he saves like his grandparents or whatever um yeah <laughs> I know it's weird, but yeah. That is something. Um, used to watch that show back in the day. Uh, <laughs> man, that leads me to my next question. I ain't hating on it because that's, I just never would think Kurt Shikawa. But I mean, hey, I mean, I can see it because Kurt's like meant a lot. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Cartoon Network, Nickel, Pro, oh, sorry, Prime Cartoon Network, Prime Disney Channel, Prime Nickelodeon. You have to choose one. Prime Cartoon Network. It's, Ooh, it's, yeah. boy. It's close with Nickelodeon, but Prime Cartoon Network for me is like, yeah, Prime Cartoon Network. I'm, I'm yeah, just thinking of like my the shows, it is Prime Cartoon Network, man. Oh, nothing <laughs> to me beats Prime Nickelodeon. It's nothing, close. Nothing beats Prime. And it's so, oh man, you see, Cartoon Network has some bangers. So, Dexter's Lab used to watch right. that. Um, yep. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh boy, what what is it? What is that show? Which one? They're a lot. Ed, 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 Ed and Eddie. Ed, Ed and Eddie might be one of the greatest shows that like. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, what else? There was the Powderpuff Girls. Powderpuff Girls uh, is there. Johnny Bravo. Yeah, Johnny Bravo was there. Nickelodeon definitely has some amazing shows, though, too. You can't, like, you got Rugrats, you got, hey, hey Arnold is Nickelodeon, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey Arnold. Oh, oh, man. There's some good shows. That's the thing about, that's, that's the thing. So, I, all the shows that I just named, I didn't like Powderpuff Girls. I watched Dexter, I watched Courage, I watched Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and I still feel like I'm missing one. There's definitely uh, a lot. There's a lot gosh but like i just need five but i feel like with nickelodeon rugrats is my all-time favorite so you got rugrats hey arnold rocket power um yeah cat dog angry beepers rocco's modern life ah real monsters keenan and cal all of that the amanda show uh ah uh, man oh man there, cool. there's a lot oh man there was there was a lot i don't know though man like 
Cartoon Network was, um, yeah, Cartoon Network was fire. And then also like you had like um, Cartoon Network had like uh, I forget what it was called, but they had like Tsunami. I think was part of Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. right? Johnny, was it Johnny Tsunami? Johnny or- Tsunami. Like there, yeah, there was a couple like Cartoon Network was was really good. I don't know, man. It's okay, close. that's fair. I'll that's- say that it's close. <laughs> Disney's running third for everybody, man. And that's and, yeah. and the thing is, like, I used to watch Disney, there were five shows. Well, yeah, I think five. My main shows was Sister Sister, um, The Proud Family. Of course, of course. Um Even Stevens. I liked Even Stevens. I liked Lizzie McGuire, and there was another show. I guess that's no Raven. But there was a show with Smart Guy with Taj Mahal. Oh, Smart Guy was yeah. Smart Guy was good. Smart Guy was pretty good. Man, I don't know though. Disney Disney Channel Disney Channel like I definitely it wasn't like it was cool. Like I think all the shows you definitely named were on point. But I don't think it holds the weight to like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Like come on, come on. Cards. That was see this question that I asked has been a running debate since I was in elementary school back in in the 90s um like everybody you went home you watched cartoon network or you watched nickelodeon and for me and there's shoot there's still shows i did not name um on nickelodeon okay you're the first one to come on and say cartoon network but listen those were that's the that's the painful thing about television you can't watch tv anymore because it's like all you know reality i I missed that era of television if there could be someone that would narrate your life that was just tell your story in a narration form who are you picking <laughs> it's the last in narration form i mean listen morgan freeman like morgan freeman it either oh man it either be morgan freeman because like got that distinct voice like yeah morgan freeman or alternatively though completely doesn't fit my personality but i would love It'd be cool if like Samuel Jackson narrated with like he gotta be oh, he gotta be like hundred percent Samuel Jackson like in that in that distinct voice that would be cool but probably oh. Morgan Freeman would be my first. All right, this is gonna be a tough one. I'm gonna have a couple more. Tyler Perry or Spike Lee? Oh, Spike Lee, easy. Spike Lee, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no question at all. Yeah. All right. Last couple questions. What if you were not doing what you are doing now as a content creator in the journalism field? What would be your career path? Ooh. Oh no. I'd probably be doing something in education. I mean, I'd probably be. I mean, I was a teacher for many, many years, and I'd probably be doing something in education. Maybe like be a college yeah. professor. Yeah, maybe college professor would be cool. Yeah, probably college professor. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Cause yeah, I I'm, I love education and like yeah, yeah, probably probably college professor would be dope. Dude, I feel, I don't know if you ever seen the show, but I feel like you would be the ultimate professor on the show. A different, it's a different world. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Man, like, that show is oh yeah, <laughs> that would be fire. <laughs> that show is the most irritatingly. Culturally appropriate show I've right. ever seen. Like you, you would kill it at "It's a Different World." Um, that that Wayne, shows fire. Dwayne Whitley, Ron. What is the best show of that? T- so we got a different world. But what would you say is the between the seventies and the nineties? What is the best? That best, and well, specifically in that genre, what would you say is the best show? Man, I, I mean. Hope I don't get this might be controversial. I, I still love the I love the Cosby show. I do love the Cosby show. Okay. I know it's probably controversial, but I do love at least like there's a lot of like amazing themes. And I loved like Malcolm Jamal Warner was like one of my favorite, you know, actors. He and he still does like does like amazing stuff now. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, I mean I, I think the themes, the topics, and you know various aspects of like relatability, I think was like were, was like super important there. Were super like impactful. So yeah, I don't know. That'd be. I hope it's not like super. No, no, know. no. Because it's it's the television show and not the person. I think yeah, the show is a little person. unrealistic. 
because it does not fit what your typical african-american home is looking like but they did cover you know different topics and then they talked about the pressure of living up to prestigious parents um because that's a lot of pressure that's why denise was my favorite character because it, mm-hmm. she was the most realistic um mm-hmm. for me man it's a tie between living single um uh, that that is my favorite show <laughs> that's good and, and i was gonna say the jeffersons but mine would definitely be living single because george jefferson was unhinged yeah he was kind of um, <laughs> he was awful <laughs> he was awful um just something oh, to think but it just and the only reason i like obviously there's some strong language and context in it so you know it's not safe for the little ears but it did a good job of that show in good times i think did a really good job of painting kind of reality in that time period yeah that's that's actually good times is probably that's a big one that good times is a really really good show and like you said painting the reality of of um you know what it was like in that time period Good times is good. I also was just thinking of like different strokes was one that I really. Oh yeah, that was a good one, man. (laughs) God, there's different strokes. Two two seven. Man, gosh, a bunch of good ones. Last, last. There's one that has nothing to do. But there's a show called Who's the Boss. Oh um, yeah, who's the boss? Of course. Yeah, that for whatever <laughs> reason, Tony Danza, that that's my dude, man. <laughs> like I have no idea why I love that show, man, but I've loved that show. Last last question. Why does kindness matter to you? Oh man. Kindness I think is one of the most important things because it 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 really allows you to connect with people. It really allows you to appreciate um you know appreciate other people understand that like other people may be going through things going through things that you have no idea right people aren't always going to show you know what's going on but if you you know if you're kind to them that's going to at least brighten up their day a little bit more um even it's connecting back to journalism a little bit right like you know we you know we'll we'll talk to athletes or we'll write stories on athletes and like that kindness goes a long way with them appreciating you know the media as well and appreciating journalism as well um so yeah i think kindness goes a long long way and it's you know it's i don't know kindness is underappreciated in even just like the little acts of kindness super super important so yeah anderson good my man where can the people find you where can they follow you and find your amazing work absolutely yep so instagram track and field black history on instagram you can follow me there um and you'll be able to find you know all this all the stuff that i do with that there and then also on youtube the final leg you can find me there a lot of a lot of stuff um always there as well so yeah definitely hit me up check out the stuff anderson has been doing some big things covering some big meets so please be sure to check out his collection of videos articles all the above instagram he's dropping something new but seems like every week if i'm not mistaken Um, so please be sure to hit that up anderson man i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me hope everybody enjoyed the episode and we will catch you next time Oh, 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 oh,